just a joy to share Christmas Eve together. I'd, I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, Matthew, the second chapter. While you're turning there, Matthew chapter 2, we will have our Wednesday evening services. Wednesday, what a great blessing right in the middle of that week between Christmas and New Year to come and celebrate 6.30 to 7.30 this Wednesday night. And then next Sunday... Is New is Christmas Eve next Sunday? We will have our regular nine and eleven, uh, nine and eleven next Sunday morning. Uh, I'm excited about the message I'm going to share with you. You know, this has been a year of alignment. We were given that directive uh, just through Scripture and prophetically this year as we began. And and you know, there, there's a reason for alignment. That means God's getting ready to do something great. How many want to be in the right place at the right time to get your assignment? And the blessing from the Lord. Well, next Sunday in the 9 and 11, I'm going to be sharing a message of how to prepare to step into the year of the open door. How to finish strong and be ready. Next Sunday morning is going to be amazing. 9 and 11. And then next Sunday night at 1030, we are going to gather together and give each of you an opportunity to end uh, 2017 on the absolute highest note and move into 2018, uh, 10.30. We're going to have a combined worship with our worship teams. Adam Rainey is going to be with us. We are just, it's going to be celebration. And uh, and then we invite you to bring finger foods after we have our our uh, time together worship and celebrating as we come into the new year. Then we'll have some fellowship together. Now, we're not going to stay all night. But we will have some time to share together. And it's going to be wonderful. And uh, so make plans, bring family, bring friends. It's going to be great. And again, I just want to welcome everyone here. It's just nice to see some of you see kids home from college and, and, and other areas, see families. It's so good to have you. And I can't wait to see everything that, that God's going to do today and next Sunday. Matthew chapter 2. I have a message for you today entitled Direction. Direction. Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or we often say wise men, I'll come back to that in a moment, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, you know, there, I'm going to talk about direction today. There's something about Christmas and travel. These wise men said, we've come a long way. There's something that caught our attention. There, you, you know what Christmas is like in travel. The highways are jammed. The airports are, are packed. The weather's crazy. Uh, there's just some instinctive pull to get home for Christmas. There's something about that we need to understand. Something about direction. Christmas and travel. It seems like those wise men started something that's still going on today. You know, on one hand, we're, we're really happy that we're not traveling on camels today. Can somebody say amen to that? If you've ever been close to a camel, you know that's not the chosen mode of transportation. So on one hand, we're very happy that our Christmas travel is not on camelback. But on the other hand, if you've ever spent eight hours in the car, overpacked, with four kids, you might think about the camel for a moment. You know, I'm talking, there's something about Christmas and travel. You know, the kids, think about the kids. Uh, you know, what's it like traveling with the kids at Christmas? Well, it's not long before somebody says, she's on my side. 
you, you understand that? I remember Meredith and Nicole. You know, we almost had to draw a line down the seat so we don't get on their side. And then the thing that really hurt my feelings, can you imagine this? My daughters, when they were little, would argue over who's going to sit behind Phyllis. I mean, I mean, did I have the plague? Was it leprosy? What? You know, not just sit by her. They argued who would sit behind her in the back seat. But it's not long, you know, the kids are wrestling. I remember Phyllis's dad told us a story. Uh, this is back in the days, you know, before seat belts. You'd put a lot of kids in the back seat. And they had four in their family and had another family traveling with them. And, and her brothers were acting up and the other boys were acting up. And Phyllis's dad's trying to drive and he reaches around to smack one of his boys and he hit the other kid in the nose, you know, from the other family. You, you know what travel's like. You guys know what I'm, you, can you remember some of those days? You know, man, you know, DVDs would have saved me many spankings. When I was a kid, it's not fair. I feel like putting them in the car and turning the DVD off just to make them know what it's like not to have that. So the kids, you know, you're on my side. I don't like that movie. I want the other movie. And and then, you know, are we there yet? And then, you know, what happens, you know, if they're playing and having fun at home, they can go all day and not use the bathroom. They get in the car every 15 minutes. If my family the only one like that, I mean, my daughters, we, we would drive to Texas. It's far enough to go to Texas. We know every bathroom stop from Alabama to Texas. They, you know, overactive bladder disease or something. I don't know. Then, you know, if you travel with teenagers, you, you know what that's like. You know, everything you do embarrasses them. Any parents of teenagers know what I'm talking about? Everything you do. You can't sing Christmas carols because that's so lame. You understand? You can't be happy. They don't want you to talk to anybody at the restaurant or anything like that. Don't embarrass me. You know? Just how it is. And I found out recently from my grandchildren that I whistle too much. What's that? I thought that was happy. They would rather me whistle than sing. They should let me whistle. And they even said, gee, mommy, I can't believe that got on to gee, mommy. I was, you know, one of our many trips to Cincinnati, Ohio with Phoenix. I was enjoying myself and, you know, songs on. I'm whistling. And, 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 and Phoenix says, gee, daddy, do you and gee, mommy whistle all the time? I said, well, we're happy people, you know. And then they put their earbuds in and, and you know, you're lost. So, you know, I don't even know if you're in the car. I remember when the girls were small, we first had the DVD for them, uh, and uh, Prince's Diary was big. And, and, of course, I'm driving, okay? I can't watch it. I'm driving. And, and, of course, it's a girl movie, of course. I'm outnumbered in my car. And so I'm driving, you know, but they don't want to listen to it one time. You know what I'm saying? They don't, if they watched it once, a trip is okay. But ten times on the trip, that's more than a man should have to deal with. So I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I know, have memorized every word of Prince's Diary. If you put it on, I can just talk through the whole movie. I've never seen it yet. I refuse to watch it. But I heard it so many times on the DVD, I can quote every word of Prince's Diary. If you don't know what movie it is, you're not missing anything. Don't worry about it. And then there's Dad. Remember Dad? Dad, you know, Dad thinks going somewhere, I'm guilty, it's charged. You know, mom wants to stop and look at the souvenirs and, you know, the kids turn a gas stop into an hour. How did it take an hour to get gas? You know, and then t- don't, you don't buy anything to drink this time because then you got to go to the bathroom again, right? You know, dad just wants to get there. It's not about the journey. It's about arriving. You know us. We're on a mission. Everybody else is on a joyride. I don't know why they don't understand that.
And of course, we're not going to ask for directions. That, that is no way I'm asking for directions. I think Google Maps has saved many marriages over the last few years. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think so if Google Maps has saved? I still think it's a conspiracy that Siri is a woman's voice. I think it's women getting back their husband who would never ask direction into some woman telling us it's just not right. And then there's mom. What's mom? She's the peacemaker in, in all this. You know, trying to make everybody happy. So, seriously, you know, there's something about travel at Christmas. But as we look at this, there's a reason that God gave us this account in Matthew. We're on a journey. We're all on a journey. We're looking for something. You know, we're trying to get home. We're trying to find something, someone bigger than us that's worth worshiping. That's worth giving your life to. God put us that way. Billy Graham, the, the, one of the greatest evangelists who've ever lived, he says it like this. He says, from the beginning, our life is a search. There's a search in us. He says there's a God-shaped vacuum in our heart that nothing else will fit. It's like one of those thousand-piece Christmas jigsaw puzzles. After about 500 pieces, you just want to make it fit, don't you? But only one piece fits in that slot. And isn't it aggravating to get to the end of a jigsaw? Does anybody even know what a jigsaw puzzle is anymore? Anybody do that? You can't do it on a device. It's like real on a table. You touch it. But how aggravating is it to put that thing together and get to the end and one piece is missing? Is that, does that, after all that work, you know, you go, it's like, oh, who lost that? That's what it's like for you and me. Billy Graham says, we've been on this search all of our life. God created us out of his mercy with a missing piece right here, a God-shaped vacuum in our heart that we will continue to search for until we find him. And when we find him, it's that piece that's been missing, and we put it, and life begins to work. But, but the question is, how do we find him? How does this journey work for us? How do we get to the right place? How do we find Jesus? Just like the, the, the wise men, we, we need some direction. You know, you'll never arrive at the right uh, destination going in the wrong direction, right? You can't take wrong paths and get to right places. You can't arrive at the right destination if you're going down the wrong roads. We need direction. We need some help. How do we get home? How do we find that? So what do we learn from this road map that the wise men follow? As they found Jesus and they worshipped him. Let's, let's look at it again, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Now, how did they arrive there? And, and what were they following? What was the direction that got them to Jerusalem. Well, they, they say, uh, we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. So it's interesting. Matthew gives us more information, his narrative, than the other three gospels about the wise men. In fact, Matthew doesn't even mention the shepherds. Matthew doesn't even refer to the manger. Matthew's assignment from the Holy Spirit was to talk about the wise men. Why? Because what we learn about their journey and what we learn about their directions will help us find what we're looking for. There's something important for us to learn here. And so as we come through, we, we begin to see that these men were seeking Christ like you and I are seeking Christ. 
They were on a journey to find him just like you and I are on a journey to make sure we know who Jesus is. That Christmas is not just a holiday or a day off from work, but it's the realization God came to us. How many are thankful God came to us? He stepped into all of our mess, stepped into the situations we're in at our lowest point. God came to us. We need to make sure we understand what that's all about. So these wise men, who, who are magi or wise men? Some scholars say they may have been royalty or kings. Some say they were probably uh, what would be our scientists. We could say astrologers, but not like astrology today, studying stars, trying to predict your future, tell you what your sign is and how you live your life. No, these were men who studied science. These were educated men. They may have been royalty. They were wealthy. These men were constantly searching for truth. And something significant and unique happened as they studied the universe. As they looked into the sky, a star they had not seen before. Something in God's creation grabbed their attention and began to give them some direction. You know, I've always thought that if, if we if, if we understand what God is saying to us, if we can see the directions and hear what He's doing, we can follow something. I want to go to this verse in the message translation. I have this for you. It's it's uh, Romans chapter one verses nineteen and twenty. Can you can you put that up for us here? Romans chapter one verses nineteen through twenty in the message translation. Watch this. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. How many heard what I just said? Do you read that? But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. Let's go to verse 20. Can we find that? Watch this. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. What is that? Eternal power, for instance. And the mystery of His divine being. So nobody has a good excuse. Leave that up for a moment. What are you saying is, if we will honestly look at what God created, it will point us to Him. And isn't it interesting that the battle rages in the scientific world today, and I won't go there, uh, just to mention this, that they try to use the universe as proof there is no God, when if you honestly look at creation, it's the greatest evidence there is a God. Why does evolution and those things go the other way? Because if you start from the premise To prove there is no God by looking at nature, your science is flawed from the beginning. But if you begin to understand, just like they said, wow, that star. What is that star? What is this thing that God created? What's it saying to me? Do you know that if we will look at the things that God has done, it will help us begin to see Him? Do you know along the way in your life that things that God has created, thank you, you can change the things that God has created will always give testimony to Him. If we look at what God has done, we begin to see who He is. There are signs along the way for you. Well, Pastor, what do you mean look at God's creation? Look what God has done. Well, I think one of the greatest things God has ever done is save us and change our lives. You know, I think that's one of the most amazing miracles. How do you and I hear testimonies of changed lives and not see God behind that testimony? How, how do those in your family, I want to encourage you, that, that know what God has done in your life, and they're not yet believers, they're not here today, I want to encourage you, if they keep watching you, you're a sign, you're a star, you're the handwork of God, and God is going to use your life to point them to Jesus someday. See, I look at His handwork, I look all over this room, do you know, everywhere in this room, there, there's the handwork of God. 
There's a creation of God. God did something to us. He's the creator. And when you see it, you look at him. What about miracles? Look, look at this. I, don't do this just for her to help me out, all right? But honest before the Lord, how many of you here in this room could say, there's been a point in my life where I know that God has physically healed me and brought health in my body? Can I see your hand? Now leave them up for a moment. I, I'm one of those. I was in a hospital. Look at this. Look at this. Now come on. I see a sign waving at me today that's pointing me. You can put it down. Now look all over this place. What does that say? That says God's hand is working in this world. It tells me that when I'm searching in the dark for the wise men, trying to find my way, every time I bump into someone like you, God is pointing me home. He's giving me some directions. Even us hard-headed men that won't ask, you can't miss some of these signs right up in your face. It's like that. We, we talk about God. Has anybody here ever had a, a situation where you felt, you know, Pastor, I'm convinced God financially blessed me and helped me in that moment. Anybody saying you've seen God meet a financially? Come on. How many have ever prayed for a family member to come to Christ and God's answered that prayer? You've seen family members. I, I, I don't really need to talk anymore, do I? You see all these signs around here? See God's creation? You see God working, God moving. See, these wise men were men that had everything the world could offer. They had wealth, they had education, they had title, they had prominence, they had position. Everything that we're told you win when you win the rat race. Everything that we're told matters in life, these guys had it and more. And yet, they were honest enough to say, there's something missing in my life. I'm still searching. I'm looking for this thing bigger than me. See, if, if I'm my God, I don't know God. If nothing in my life is bigger than me, then I haven't met God because He's a lot bigger than me. And these wise men were honest enough in their life search to say, I have achieved everything life can offer me, and yet there's a hole in my heart. Yet there's a God-shaped vacuum in my heart. And when they began to see the signs of something God created, they said, we're going to go follow this thing. We're going to find out what's going on. You know what our unsaved family and friends and co-workers and schoolmates ought to be doing? I pray for them that as they look at you, they say, you know what? God's doing something here. This is the hand of God. I'm not going to stop until I find this. I want to meet him for myself. And so we see the signs, the wonders, the miracles. These are directions, signposts that are pointing us to Christ. But, but I, I want you to know something here. Let's look at this. And, and, and this is important. And, and I'm so thankful as believers we have the second element of this to get us there. Look at verse 1. Let's read verse 1 and 2 again. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, where was he born? Bethlehem, during the time of King Herod Magi, wise men from the east came to where? They didn't find Bethlehem, they found Jerusalem. Now, so, so the sign, the star, got them close, but they weren't there yet. See, you understand that? The, the, the sign, what I see with my eyes, what, what happens in your life and what's going on, I can see the hand of God. That, that brought them close. But let's, let's keep reading, okay? Let's look at verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him, when he, uh, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. So what did he do? He called the teachers, the priests, and said, get the scriptures out. 
Open up the Word of God. These wise men have gotten to Jerusalem. They're close in their journey, but they're not home yet. The signs and the wonders and the direction has brought them to Jerusalem, but we're not there yet. Open up the Scripture and let's see what it says. Well, uh, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Verse 5, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Isn't it interesting that signs and creation and directives get us close But until you open the Word of God, you're not going to get home. Scripture gets you home. What happens for other people is good. Your testimony is good. But I have to find something out of the Word of God. Amen? I have to make sure I'm on solid ground. And I have good news for you and I today that this church and your life and your future and your hope is not based upon what someone thinks or says or does. It's based on the Word of Almighty God. We are here today on a foundation that can't be shaken no matter what happens, no matter what comes and goes. So, you see, thank God for what gets us close, but thank God the Scripture puts us in that very place. You know, I'm amazed at people that see the signs of God all the time in their life and, and never realize I should look up. I'm close. I'm almost there. The goodness of God. I've told you this story. I remember one time a, a, a dear lady was, that came to Calvary. Her, she was the only one in her whole family that was a believer. And her brother had a heart attack and died a very young man. It was a tragedy. It was tragic. And she being the only Christian in her whole extended family... They asked me what I do her brother's funeral. I said I would do that. So I went to the home where his wife and, and children were and I was by myself. I've learned a little bit about that as time going on. And I walked in, I sat down at the kitchen table, and I'm going to tell you that home was full of bitterness and anger that day. They were mad. They were angry. And they were mad at God. And they said, why would God kill our husband and our father? Why did God do this? Why is God so bad? Why? They were mad and angry. I'm going to tell you, I I realize, man, I'm in a tough spot. I was by myself. But also there's something, you know, inside of me about God and His goodness and His Word and truth. And I sat there as long as I could. I said, can I say something? They got quiet. I said, has any good thing ever happened in this family? They said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'll just ask you a question. A baby ever been born in this family? Well, yes. Anybody ever got a promotion? Well, yes. Anybody ever had a birthday? Well, yes. So has any good thing ever happened in this house? Well, I guess it had. I said, well, did you gather around the table like you've done today and everybody praise God and thank Him for it? Well, no. I said, oh. So everything good you're going to take credit for and everything bad you're going to blame God for. Then it got real quiet. Then I was looking for the door because I thought... It, 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 I mean, it was tense. I thought I was going to have to fight my way out of that house. Next time I'm going to bring some of you big boys with me when I get to that place. But my point is, I'm making, it isn't it sad when we run past the signs all the time of the goodness of God. I wish that we could remember our blessings and forget the hard time like we remember the hard times and forget the blessings. 
My sister told me yesterday I was talking to her and her husband's had a stroke this year and she's been, she's prayed with us for Phoenix like you wonderful guys have. And I'm not going to talk about it today and get choked up like I did last week, alright? So I'm just not going to do it. So, and, and she said she was praying and she said, Lord, this has been a tough year and, and, and it's been hard. I don't know if I can take another year like that. And, 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 and she said the Holy Spirit's whispered in her heart and said, well, you know, I, I brought Phoenix back from, from the door of death. I brought your husband back from the door of death and your little grandchild nearly died. So if you don't want me to help you next year like I did this year, just let me know. And she said, God, I would love for you to do whatever you want to do in my life this year. See, we have to understand that we run past the signs. Think of the blessings in your life. Think of the blessings before you became a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home with a mother and a father. You talk about stars shining in the dark. You talk about a witness of the Lord. And I went day after day after day and I missed seeing God's signs that were trying to direct me to Jesus. But once I saw that, bang, the lights came on. And God began to do that. I'm thankful today that we're not going to run over the kindness and the mercy of God. Look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. This verse is really critical. I want you to see this before I begin to, to bring our time here to, to close. We're going to have communion. But I want you to see Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. These are the signs, the direction, the stars, God's creation that He puts in our life. Romans 2 and verse number 4. Or do you show contempt... For the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. God's kindness leads you, guides you, directs you, signs for you toward repentance. Do you know that if you're here today or listening to me on any of our media platforms and you haven't asked Christ into your heart, do you know... This, I, I just have to be honest with you. I want to give you the gift of honesty today, okay? That if you're here and you're listening to me on any platform right now, and you haven't given your life to Christ, can I tell you something? It's not because you're smarter than God, stronger than God, slicker than the rest of us, got it going on, all that and a Lay's 18-wheeler load of chips. That's not why you're here today. Do you know why you're here today? And don't misunderstand God's mercy for approval. It's not that God is approving your lifestyle. It's that His mercy and His kindness is giving you one more day. One more opportunity. One more sign. I hope you can read the signpost that God's putting in your life. Because He loves you. Don't ignore Him. Don't miss it. The kindness and the mercy of God leads, leads, guides me, points me home to Jesus. Thank God for that. Aren't you thankful? Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 2 and, and, let's, and let's bring this together. Here's the amazing thing to me. That how God will so mercifully put His purpose and His will right in front of us. So the Scripture said... He's in Bethlehem. Verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, uh, Matthew 2, 7, secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, you know that Herod had no desire to worship him. We find that later... 
he has every male baby to and under executed in the Bethlehem area. Horrific. His only desire to find Jesus was to eliminate someone he felt to be a challenge. So he sends them because Scripture says he's in Bethlehem. Verse 9, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them till it stopped over the place where the child was. What did they do? When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country on another route. You know, I always wondered, where were the religious teachers? Where were the guys who read the scripture and told him he's in Bethlehem? They weren't willing to go eight miles with the wise men and find him. Isn't it sad that sometimes people who know who Jesus is and know what the Bible says don't have enough hunger to make a little move and draw closer to him? Wouldn't it be sad if you and I are here on this Christmas Eve and we're satisfied with knowing Jesus at a distance? Wouldn't it be sad if we were satisfied just to know about Him, but not to know Him? Wouldn't it be slacking in our life if we just have a Sunday morning experience with Jesus when we could walk with Him day by day? Wouldn't it be sad just to send a magi? Let's send the wise men over. We're going to stay here. I mean, it's eight miles, and you know I've got to go shopping today, and the mall's going to close tonight, and and and, and you know I I got to get my rest because I got to stay up all night. I can't go to church. I, I don't. We don't have. Come. You see, these men who knew the most scripture. Listen, it was no substitute for knowing him personally. But the wise men took the word of God and followed it until they found Jesus. And they worshipped him. And the amazing thing to me is the Bible says, and they went home a different way. Do you know the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. I know when I've met Jesus. I know when we've met Jesus. I know when Calvary has been in the presence of Jesus, we leave a different way than when we came in. When I come into the presence of Jesus, I walk out a different way. When I, when I am not satisfied just to know about Him and hear about Him and someone else do my praying and someone else get me there. But when I come into the presence of Jesus, it's worth the journey. Amen? It's worth taking a little extra step. That's the gift of Christmas today. It doesn't matter if you have gifts or presents or trees or lights or parties or feasts. What matters have you followed the directions of God till He has brought you home to Jesus. That's the gift of Christmas. That's the joy. Listen, you know, gifts are going to come and go. It's kind to share gifts. You know, some of the gifts people give you, I hate to tell you, they're going to give it to somebody else. You know, they're going to re-gift it and they're going to re-wrap it and they're going to redo it. And I don't mean to be ugly, but those 13 Santa Claus neckties, they're, come on, they're not. So the point is this. Christmas is about following the directions. Till we get home, till we find that missing piece in our heart. And when we make him Lord of our life, centerpiece of who we are, can I tell you what happens? We're different. We're transformed. We walk a different path. We go a different way. I want to encourage you today, whether you've known the Lord for years, 
to have a fresh encounter with him. A fresh realization that I have the essence of life. Or if today you're at a distance from him, I pray that at this moment, in this day, in this amazing family gathering, that you discover all those directions you've been going past. All those things you've been missing. You know, it's kind of like, you shouldn't do this, it's dangerous, that's why they tell you don't drive when you're sleepy. But have you ever been driving, you're pushing it, you're tired, and, and, and have you ever been driving like that? And You know, we're talking about traveling directions, and, and, and you kind of snap too, and you thought, I don't even know where I am right now. Have you ever done that? You're just kind of on autopilot, you drove, you missed your exit, you drove right past the sign, you ever done that? I, I did that one night for one of these many trips we've been to Cincinnati, Ohio, just south of Cincinnati in the interstate splits. And one goes to Louisville and one goes to Lexington. And I'm by myself. It's late at night. and I've been up there and, and, and doing the things. And, 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 you know, I was driving back late and I looked up. I said, oh, man, I missed my turn. I'm going to Lexington. I need to go to Louisville. I had to go down there and take an exit, make a U-turn, come back around. You know what my prayer for you today is? That you're not asleep at the wheel in life. That you've been paying attention to the signs of God. That you've been hearing His mercy and realizing those Christians in your life, they're not aggravation, they're blessing in your life. You know that grandmother that's been praying for you, you she, she's a signpost God put in your life. That co-worker, this service, this day, it, it's a gift to you, it's a gift. I'd like for everybody to bow their head with me right now. I want our musicians to please come. and Right where you're sitting. I want you to bow your head with me. Let's make a decision in this room on this amazing Christmas Eve. What a gift God's given to us. We could be a thousand places, but we're here honoring God together on Christmas Eve. We've been favored and blessed today. In a moment, we're going to take communion. Those that are going to be sharing communion, would you go ahead and, and, and get ready and find your places? Every head's bowed. I want you to make an altar right where you are. Right where you are. And today, I would never miss giving you this opportunity to say, On this Christmas Eve, I finally read the signs. I finally recognized the kindness of God to me. I haven't outsmarted anyone. I've just, God's been merciful to me. I haven't outplayed anyone. I haven't outfooled, I haven't fooled God. I haven't won on the let's make a deal. I just realize God's been patient and kind to me. And today, I want to come home. I want to fill this empty void in my heart that I keep trying to fill with other things. I realize that if I search the world over, I'll have to come back to this moment. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So right where you are, while we're all praying, you say, you say Pastor, I, I'm a believer. I'm following the Lord. Well, why don't you just say to him right where you are, Lord, I want to follow you more closely than ever before. I don't want to miss any of the signs in my life, your goodness. And maybe today you say, Pastor, man, I'm not following Jesus. But I want to today. I want to give my heart to him. If where you are, I just want you to be seated right where you're seated. Because I want to pray. Would you do this one thing? Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to come home to Jesus today. I want to pray today. I want to ask Him into my heart. Would you do it right where you are? Just, I'm not going to ask you to get up. If you're Just where you're seated. Would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm coming to Jesus today. Pray for me. Who else wants to do it? Just lift your hand 
and say, that's my prayer today, Pastor. Anybody else want to join this, this prayer with us today? Say, today's my day. I'll never forget. On Christmas Eve, 2017, I asked Christ into my heart. Who else wants to make that your commitment? Thank you. Thank you. Who else today? Man, aren't you thankful? People are coming home today. People are coming to Jesus. Anyone else want to join with me today? Church family, let's pray this prayer together. Would you out loud with me, everyone? Dear Jesus, I'm so thankful that you never gave up on me. I'm so sorry that I missed all the signs. I didn't see your kindness. I misunderstood your mercy. But today, I come home. Forgive me of my sins. Come live in my heart. I confess you as my Savior and Lord. I give my life to you. All the good and all the bad. Heal me where I'm broken. Set me free where I've been bound. Today, I give you my life. I will serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for that today. What a blessing. What a blessing. What a blessing. Here's here's what I'd like for us to do. Ushers, I want you to go ahead and begin to serve everyone right now. You just stay seated. And we want to serve you the communion elements, the cup and, and the bread. And then when everyone's served, we're going to take it together. Now, we're just, we, we've got the house full today on Christmas Eve. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? And so we, we're not going to re-gift, but we may need to refill today, all right? So uh, we'll, we'll work through, and if we have to wait a moment for everyone to be served, then we're going to come and take this together. Now, I want to share something with you as, we're, as communion elements are being passed out. Once everyone's served, we'll take this together. You do not have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. Jesus is not restricted to Calvary Assembly. He's open to every believer. So you don't have to be a member here. Just a follower of Jesus. The Bible says this is for believers, not for unbelievers. Now, we just gave you a chance to take care of that. So I pray that everyone in this room today is qualified by the blood of Jesus to take communion today. If not, you can turn your heart to Him right now. This will be the most meaningful communion you ever had. So we're going to serve you. This is what I want you to think about while you're receiving communion today. You ready? I want you to listen to me while you're receiving it. Communion is only possible because Jesus came. The Bible says, we've studied in Luke 1. What have we studied? That the angel came to the Virgin Mary and said, you're going to have a son. He'll be Jesus. And she said, I don't understand how does a virgin have a baby. And he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Do you realize that Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is how God wrapped Himself in human flesh and stepped in this world. If it were not for Christmas, there'd be no communion. There'd be no salvation. There'd be no body. That was scarred and striped and wounded and pierced. And so I want you to think about that as you take the bread today. That God is literally near to us and walking with us because Jesus came and was born of a virgin and wrapped his divine nature in human flesh. So today he, the Bible says he's been tempted at every point just like we have. Did you know that? There's nothing you face that Jesus didn't face while he walked on this earth. 
And He's here today to draw close to you. So Christmas means the body that Jesus was in, lived in, the tent He lived in, the body that housed His divine nature, was pierced, wounded, striped, and nailed to a cross so that we could be saved. And then I want you to think about this cup today. If there's any day we ought to take communion, it's today. You know, this cup represents the blood of Jesus. You know what the blood of Jesus is? Listen to this term. I call it the currency of salvation. That's the blood of Jesus. The currency of salvation. Now, what's special about this on this day? Listen closely. You see, I've told you recently that if you want to find out who a child's father is, the 100% fail-safe way to do that is to do a blood test. Because in the human reproductive process, the blood is always the donation of the father's DNA in, the, in conception. So how do you know the father of a child? If it's unknown, the blood test will always prove it. Now watch this. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross was unlike any blood that's ever been in the veins of any human being. Because he had no earthly father. He was placed in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. Although Mary was his mother, God placed him in her womb. And the blood that flowed through his veins, that spilled on the cross of Calvary, that poured out of his back when they hit him with the cat of nine tails, that blood was unlike any other blood. This cup represents the pure and holy blood of Jesus. So strong that every sin that's ever been committed on this planet can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. How many are thankful for that today? See, all of that is because He was willing to come and lay down His life for every one of us. We are unbelievably blessed and God has been so gracious and kind to us and we're thankful for that today. So I want you to understand the power of this moment as we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, the coming of Jesus, these elements we hold in our hand that His body means a Savior came. The cup, the blood means He went to the cross for us. And today I want to encourage you, if there's any brokenness in your life, there's any place that's wounded, His body was broken for you. If there's a broken dream, there's a broken home, there's a broken body. If you're sick, you can be made whole today in the name of Jesus. If there's a place in your life where you feel like Satan or addiction or bondage or habits or tradition holds you back, the blood of Jesus can break everything. It's the currency of salvation. And today we're going to receive that. And we're going to celebrate it together. Just enjoy the blessing and the goodness of God. We're doing good. We're, we're almost got everyone served. We're replenishing and refilling. Thank you for your patience and just enjoy this moment in the presence of the Lord. Thanking God for His goodness. Our guys are doing a great job. You know, for us to have this day of celebration, we had a lot of people working today as volunteers. Our worship team was here. Our technical team, our ushers, our greeters. Aren't you thankful for this great... I'd ask you to clap, but you'd spill your, your stuff, so don't do it. But I want to recognize them today. Thank you. These guys are such a blessing to make days like this so special. None of this just happens. Everybody's doing a job to make today very 
very good. Phyllis and her team decorate, make everything so nice. And I appreciate what everyone has done. So you guys can give me a signal when everybody is served and I'm watching and they're coming, they're working hard. They'll get right to you. Thank you. this scripture as we're almost ready to take this. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Uh, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And listen to this. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Not only are we saying Jesus came, we're saying Jesus is coming again. And I'm thankful for that today, that Jesus came and Jesus is coming again. What a blessing. What, what a great day to celebrate thankful today for God. Everybody in this section been served? Anybody missing? We're good? What about this section? Everybody served? If not, raise your hand. What about here? Anybody missing in here? We're good? This one? Everybody served? This one? Over here? We're good? All right. Pastor Tony, has everybody been served? Ready to go? All right. I want you to take this bread in your hand with me today. And let's pray before we take it together. Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for putting on our flesh, walking in our world. Thank you that you loved us so much that you allowed your body to be broken and wounded and pierced and nailed to Calvary's cross. So everywhere that Satan has broken and bruised us and life has hurt us, we can be healed. We thank you. We praise you. And with deep gratitude, we remember and we take this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the bread together. And then the cup. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. We can't imagine your love, your sacrifice to send your only son into this world to become our Savior. I can't imagine what that day was like when you placed Him in the womb of Mary by your Spirit. I can't imagine what heaven was like the day the Son of God was born on this planet in that stable. But Father, I want to thank you that although Mary was His earthly mother, that you're the Father. And that the blood that was shed on the cross has never lost its power has never lost its ability to break sin and set us free. Thank you for the gift you gave us when you gave us Jesus. And now, as we take this cup, we thank you. And we say, God, wash us and cleanse us. Renew us today. Draw us closer to you than ever before. And fill our hearts with joy and peace and the favor of God that we can celebrate this day together knowing your gift. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the cup together, church family. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's stand before we're dismissed today.
It has been a joy to celebrate Christmas Eve together. Before you go, one more time, let's give the Lord a celebration of gratitude and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So thankful for every one of you. Let me share this blessing over you today. Before we go, I'm trying to pull it up right now. And I want to speak this blessing over you, a scripture. I want to remind you that as you leave today, the cookies and the hot chocolates there and the blessing. This is what I, I, it's not pulling up for me, but one translation of Luke says this. That when the shepherds came, they looked at them, and this was their declaration. They said, the angel armies have come today to declare for those of you that know the Lord, His peace goes with you and His favor rests on you. So I declare today in Jesus' name this blessing. You leave today with the angel armies of heaven surrounding you. The peace of God is filling you. And the favor of God is around you like a shield. I bless you with that in Jesus' name today. Merry, merry, merry Christmas. I love you guys.